yeah, I was, I was good. All right, let's preach. Let's, let's deliver something of value this morning. All right, where are we? Where are you? <laughs> Prayer and fasting. All right. My message this morning is following on from the book of Acts. Who's enjoying the book of Acts series, the early church? Man, that's where it's at. My message is fully alive. We need to be fully alive in God, and it's taken from Acts. So, uh, you know, during the last lockdown, I took some time to just read through the whole book of Acts. Actually, I encourage you, if you haven't done that yet, as, a, as just, a, just a, some homework, go through from the beginning of Acts through right to the end. I actually did half of it on audio Bible because um, that's just how I'm a little bit wired. But I went through and just listened and just read the whole book of Acts to get a good picture. And you know what I realized about the book of Acts I've never seen before? It started with a band of followers of 120 people. You know, probably in our church on average, there's about sometimes 120 people in this church here. It ends up reaching city after city after city. People from all walks of life turn to God. Churches begin in other areas. Healings and miracles take place. Persecution begins to break out against the church and the Christians. And the gospel goes as far as Rome, which was the center of the modern world at that time. From this little group of 120 people gathered together in one accord, the Holy Spirit ends up reaching pretty much the furthest parts of the world and shaking the known world at the time. Uh, You know, through miracles, God's family grows. Through healing, people turn to the Lord. Through persecution, the good news of Jesus spreads. And through disagreements and potential classes of theology, God's church still grows. Inward forces, outward forces, nothing stops the kingdom of God. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, And I tell you, Peter, on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Don't you love that? That the gates of hell, nothing will overcome the church. Nothing will stop the church. It's amazing. No Roman emperor, no Middle Ages, no Black Plague, no civil rights movements, and yes, no COVID-19 pandemic will stop the advancement of the kingdom of God through his bride, the church, the believers of Jesus Christ. I get excited by that because I think, you know, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at the church. It doesn't matter what he tries to do. Nothing will disarm the powers of God at work through the church. And uh, I read this the other day. It says, we were born into the human race to grow up to be perfect or complete people. But the human race fell, and none of us made it into adulthood complete. For we all came from a dysfunctional family, the human race. I like that. We all missed the mark, which is the Bible's term for sin. So God wiped out the old and started over. We have to go through a rebirth and a re-growing up this time in a new family. This family is his family. This family is the body of Christ. In that family, we, get, we are to get all the things we missed out on the first time. Nurturance, modeling, truth, love, accountability, development of our gifts and our character, and so much more. And this body began its inception in the book of Acts. Don't you love that? You know, man, what I love about that is it doesn't matter if you've had a dysfunctional beginning of a dysfunctional family, a a terrible background, terrible past, because guess what? God's provided a family that provides all the things that you need to grow in God to become a mature believer. Anyway, that's what the church should, should be. That's what the church should be. So this morning, I just want to inspire us a little bit. I know we've had a a crazy week, encourage us a bit, and maybe equip us a little bit about uh, being alive, being fully alive 
in Christ. So we're going to start in Acts 11. You're going to need your Bible or your device or just listen. Uh, or if someone has a Bible, just take it off them this morning because I just did not get around to doing slides. I think slides are overrated anyway. Anyway, Acts eleven nineteen. Now to those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus and the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. First thing I think that when it comes to being fully alive is that we need the hand of God with us. You need the hand of God with you. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, whether it's um, raising kids, you need the hand of God with you. Whether it's starting a new business, you need the hand of God with you. Whether you're married, yeah. Whatever you're in, you need the hand of God with you. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need the hand of God with you. You need the hand of God with you. And when the hand of the Lord is with you, you can do impossible things. You can do things that seem too hard in the natural Uh, A ministry can't turn people to the Lord unless the hand of the Lord is with them. I read the other day, you can turn people to a personality without the hand of the Lord. You can turn people to a social club without the hand of the Lord. You can turn people to a church without the hand of the Lord. But you can't turn people to the Lord without the hand of the Lord. And I love that because I think it underpins the whole fact that we're not to sign up to an institution. Wow, that's a good word, institution. Wow, yeah, Jesus, he's moving. (laughs) Believed and turned to the Lord is the work of faith and repentance. There's no shortcut. Man, when it comes to God, we need the hand of the Lord with us. What do you need the hand of the Lord with you at the moment? What do you you need God's hand in? You know, to become fully alive in Christ, we need the hand of God. Encourage your church. Ask for God's hand in what you're doing. Look for God's hand. In fact, you know, look for it this week. Because sometimes a good indicator of things you're doing that aren't necessarily what God wants you doing is there's just no hand of God in it. There's no hand of God in it. It's all human effort. Now, at times you've got to persevere. Don't get me wrong. There's times and seasons of going through and persevering. But you know when God's hand is in it, He makes all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. He is behind it. He's the one empowering. And when He's not in it, it just becomes dead religion and hard work. Moses said um, in Exodus 33, 15, he said to them, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. If your presence is not with us, what are we doing? You know, we need the presence of God. Even on a personal level, though, you know, often at times we can reduce the goal of just Christian living to being moral, to getting to church, to maybe paying some tithes, hopefully, uh, and all those good things. Sometimes we might pluck up the courage to invite someone to church. You know, just get them to church. But I've found as well that actually sometimes there's a place where actually, no, God, I need your hand to be with me because I need to be your witness. I need to be the one sharing my faith. I need to be the one praying for someone or caring for their needs, doing what God has taught me to do. You know, our neighbor years ago, I invited, I finally got around to asking the courage to come to church, uh, our neighbor Ash. And she grew up in a Hindu um, household. And she finally came along that night to, to church years ago. And I thought, man, this is the moment. I've done my job. And a tick, I got her to church. 
And then she came along and she didn't get saved. She didn't, you know, God didn't break out. No demons flooded out of her. Nothing happened. And I was really disappointed. And I just thought, man, God, I thought, you know, yeah. And I went away and God just spoke to me and he said to me, it's my timing when people come to faith in me, but you've got more work to do. And I just thought, oh, man. And I, you know, I had, uh, to be honest, I just put it down to I've done my job and I can move on. No, no. God was saying to me, no, no, you need the hand of God with you to reach the people God's put in your life. You know, it's not just a tick box and then move on. Uh, so I really did need the hand of God more and more to, to continue um, sowing the seeds of hope into her life. And we've just seen little by little things open up in her life, and it's amazing. The overall goal, like these early disciples, is turning people to Jesus. Uh, and you and I have now been given this task. 2 Corinthians 5 says, um, And this is from God, who reconciled us to her, her himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. Isn't that awesome? Not counting people's sin against them. Imagine if he counted your sin against you. Yeah, that's a bad thought. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. He's given you and I this message of reconciliation. He's empowered the body, the church. That's what Acts is all about, seeing the church reconcile people that are lost and broken and hurting and suffering to himself. Not to a church, not to a program, not to anything else, but just to Christ himself, turning people to the Lord. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through Charmaine. God is making his appeal through different people here, through each one of us. He's making his appeal through you to a lost and hurting world. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. So the second point this morning is we need a renewed focus on turning people to Christ. We need a renewed focus on turning people to Christ if we're to be fully alive. If you think about the consequences of uh, turning people to a personality, or to a Instagram page, or to a even to a church. Everything that you put your energy into turning them to, that has to sustain them. It doesn't become God that sustains them. It doesn't become their relationship with God. It becomes all those other things that sustain them. And those things are just not sustainable. Why? Because only Jesus can sustain us in life. Only He has the power, He has the authority, He has the resources of heaven to sustain us in life Nothing else will satisfy in our lives. And as I've read through Acts, something that stuck out to me uh, is that every time someone was healed, people turned to the Lord. Every time someone was set free, every time someone was miraculously cured, people turned to God. The result was salvation. So just listen to some of these stories. As Peter traveled about the country in no level two, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Leda. There he found a man named Aeneas, I think, who was paralyzed and been bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately he got up, and all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. It's amazing stories. You know, people turn to the Lord when people get healed. And then a few verses later, uh, there was the disciple Tabitha who died. And uh, he got down, this is Peter, got down on his knees, he prayed. He turned toward the dead woman and he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she got up. He took her by the hand and helped her to the feet, her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. 
This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Man, imagine that for a second. Someone that is, that is dead, medically dead, being raised to life, and people believe. You can, you can see how, in the book of Acts, the power of God connects directly to people believing in Jesus. You can, it's so obvious how miracles, healing, signs, and wonders connected directly to people going, I believe in this Jesus. I believe in this God. You know, God has many purposes in healings, yes, but not just for the sake of the miracles. He's not a genie in a lamp that you just rub and things come out and you hope for the best. No, the purpose of these amazing acts of the Holy Spirit was that people would turn to the Lord. People would turn to God. You know, I'm personally very grateful for our medical profession, especially here in New Zealand. Uh, You know, in fact, I think the medical profession is a miracle in itself. Um, But if I'm really honest, I'd love to see the sick, the dying, the uh, those caught in mental health uh, issues being brought to a church. Whether it's a believer in a house, whether it's on the streets, whether it's in a church and a school, who cares? Wherever it is, because God was healing them, because God was doing a sovereign supernatural work, and not just healing them, but then turning to God as well. You know, um, on my prayer cards at home during the last few days, I've written, I write down. You guys know this. I've got these prayer cards at home, and so I have my neighbours. Uh, on there, and I've been praying for my neighbours. And one of my neighbours I was praying for, uh, and I hadn't talked to them in quite a while, and so I was like, okay, God, Lord, I just pray for them. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd speak to them. You'd, you know, you'd get their attention. Somehow do something. And I pray these prayers, and if I'm honest, I don't always know what I'm expecting. I'm just praying these prayers. And then uh, on the last day of lockdown, or maybe Friday, we were going for a walk um, to get some milk or something. And we walked past uh, this group of people that came past us, and it was my neighbors that lived next door. And anyway, they stopped, and they just had this like look of um, happiness on their face, and we started talking. And anyway, they really wanted to talk. So we got talking, we shared a few stories, and we just, um, you know. And after a while, they asked me, oh, how's the church going? How's, you know, how's everything going? And probably about 10 minutes. And after 10 minutes, there was just this, you know, God didn't release from heaven an incredible miracle. Nothing Uh, overtly Christian happened, but I just walked away and I felt, man, God, they needed a conversation. And I was right here and we happened to cross paths, but I was reflecting on it later going, you know, I wonder if because I prayed for them, there was just an opening to talk to them a little bit about things that we've been doing and about all that God's been doing. And not long after that, my other neighbor, who's also on my prayer card, happened to walk past and I was doing the lawns. Because I have to do the lawns, and I can't be bothered paying anyone to do the lawns, so I do the lawns with our half-broken lawnmower. That's a whole other sermon. But anyway, we were, I was mowing the lawns, and I finished, and she was over the road, and she came over and crossed the street, and she, she sat on the side of our fence, because I've got a neighborhood-friendly fence, which is 1.2 meters high. Not one of those neighborhood, like, I don't like you fences. Anyway, so I built it. That's actually why I built it, so I could lean on it and talk to the neighbors. So she comes over, and she rests on my fence. And she's waiting, and I'm just, I'm mowing, and I'm like, hi. And then I stopped. I thought, okay. And I went over, and I talked to her. Anyway, she lives on the, across the road. She starts talking, and it turns out that um, her mother, who's uh, probably in her late 80s, has just started in the early stages of dementia. And she lives there with her mum. And for the last seven days, she's had nobody to talk to. She can't talk to her mum. Yeah, and anyway, I just, I just started talking. And we talked for probably 20 minutes. And then Benji came along and he sat on the fence and he, he's just started talking as well. And we were talked. And anyway, she, she had some really colorful language. 
if you know what I mean. She started talking to us, and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, Benji's here. You know, oh, so righteous and all this. And I was like, no, no, who cares, honestly. And then, but she starts saying things like, oh, yeah, because, you know, I love praying. And I love, you know, and she starts just sharing a bit about her life. And I thought, man, she, she, you know, people want to know God. People are searching for God. People deep down in their heart, they know that God is real. Maybe they're a long way from what we think it means to live a total life serena. But people are searching for God. You know, and in that moment, I just realized I could have easily just mowed the lawns and gave a friendly neighborhood wave. Who's done that before? You know, like, hi, I don't, I don't actually have time. I don't, but I thought, no, no, I've got to stop. Man, after 10 minutes of talking, I realized that this lady needed a conversation. But more than that, she needed Jesus. And in the end, I was able to ask her if she wanted prayer. And I added her to my prayer card and put her name down and added all her needs. And I told her, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. And, that. and I just thought, man, sometimes it's the simple things like that. You know, imagine this week if we just did one little thing like that. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just giving you an example of things that happen in my life. But there are moments like that in our lives where we need to be expecting God to move. We need to be waiting upon Him. So, um, I'm just trying to remember, that was a great story, Julian, but I've lost my points anyway. Renewed focus on something. A renewed focus on turning people to Jesus. We've got to be turning people to Jesus. You know, we've got, our heart's goal has got to be helping people find God, find Jesus. That's got to be, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do. All right. Acts 11.22. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw that the grace of God had done. He was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. My third point this morning is that we need to be vaccinated against religion. Vaccinated against religion. Turn to the person next to you and say, get vaccinated against religion. A lot of you are like, wow, that's, what does that mean? See, in my heart, I truly believe religion kills. Read, listen to this, 2 Corinthians 3, 4. Our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit pours out life. Let me read that again. The letter of the law kills. Trying to be a good Christian, trying to keep the law, it kills you. But the Spirit pours out life. That is what I've signed up for in my Christian faith, for a life filled with the Holy Spirit's power. You know, people come to church for all sorts of reasons, right? Like, like people come to church for all different reasons. People here. Uh, people were joining the disciples in the early church because they were being looked after, because they were having all their needs met. Remember that part that talks about there was no needy persons among them? You know, people were being brought to the church because their needs were being met, not because they necessarily had a relationship with God. This new band of believers, the followers of the way, as they were called, they would have looked nothing like the religion that people had in their mind of the day. You think about it. People were grown up with the temple with all the religiousity of everything that had happened. And then there's this band of believers out in the corner that are, that are fired up, that are fiery, and that if you, if you don't do things properly, you die. <laughs> I mean, look at Ananias and Sapphira. These disciples that wanted to appear godly, they wanted to appear as if they were following God, 
Remember that story? They came and brought the money from the field they'd sold, but they hold back. They were trying to appear as if they had a, a Christian faith, a, a holding up an image of what it meant to be godly. But underneath it all, their heart wasn't in it. It was a quick step to religiosity. You know, if you want to have a quick step down to being in a religious life, then, uh, you know, we need to be sure that we're not just putting up a facade of religiousness, but actually following God with all of our hearts. Uh, I read the other day that, you know, in Acts 5, when they died, such fear came on God's people that the insincere, they dropped away, and no one joined the church for a free lunch anymore. So I've decided in Church Unlimited City, there are no more free lunches. Church shared lunches are off. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe we should, though. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but, you know, I first gave my heart to God because I just knew that God loved me. I had an encounter with God, and I knew that the Father's love for me, was real. I knew in my heart that he loved me and he was, he was true and he was real. We all have a different reason for coming to church, maybe because we've found God and we have a love for him and coming to church is an expression of that love. You know, Pastor Tart for the last 30 years has preached the love of God and the acceptance uh, and the offer of forgiveness to a hurting world uh, faithfully in this church. But I want to ask a question, are you in church because of what God uh, or his church does for you? Because dead religion is not what Christ died on the cross for. You know, if we have a, if we have a me-centered Christian faith, it becomes dead pretty quickly. You know, recently we watched that uh, series called The Chosen, and I think I've told you guys a bit about that. If you haven't watched it, I encourage you to watch it. It's so good. But there's a moment in that series where uh, Nicodemus, the Pharisee, is looking at this tapestry, this artwork, and he's, he's surveying and he's talking about it. And he's, he's reflecting on why it's so beautiful to, to his wife. And he's sharing about it. And it just, there's this moment that it dawns on him. And he, and he says these words, maybe this was meant to be far more beautiful than we realize. And he's talking about his, his, his whole way of following God. You know, it becomes such a, a method, such a, a religious pursuit that he had forgotten. And he'd lost sight of what this beautiful faith was meant to be. And sometimes I think we can easily slip into, we forget what this beautiful faith is meant to look like, this, this, this relationship where God's pouring out His Holy Spirit into us over and over and above. So just three things I want to share that keep me vaccinated against religion. And uh, you can take these or leave these. These are just three things that help me personally. Uh, doing things that bring me joy in God, which is things like time outside, just exploring nature, and being outside, marveling at the things that he's created, building stuff and fixing stuff and doing things with my hands. Do you know, it's funny, like the amount of times God talks about that he deli- uh, when you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. The amount of times the Bible talks about the creation of God's hands, you know, the things he's made, the things he's created. I find when I do those things, I bring joy to God because I am enjoying them and God enjoys the fact that I'm enjoying them. Do you know what I mean? Like he's finding joy in the things that you find joy in. That's a part of breaking off religiosity is actually being who you're meant to be in God and discovering those gifts and those talents. Another thing is that um, relationships that build me up. You know, often this can actually be serving others. I find, you know, we've got different love languages. There's things that you can do uh, when it comes to relationships. It might be just spending time with someone. 
uh, or building someone up or investing in someone's life or coaching someone or mentoring someone. It could be helping out a friend that's, you know, going through difficulties or, or things like that. But relationships, we're built for relationships. The book of Acts is all about relationships and the body of Christ. And I find that that helps break off religion when it's all about the relationships in our lives. And the last thing is time with God, reading His Word and worship uh, and prayer. And before you think, oh, that's so religious, oh, religious one. No, no, no. I do these things not because I have to, not because I have to prepare a sermon, but I actually just really enjoy doing them. I actually just really enjoy getting a word from God. I really enjoy just hearing, what do you want to say, God? It literally is breath to my lungs and, and, and ear, to my spiritual, uh, ear to my spiritual lungs. I find that that stuff is. So what keeps you vaccinated against religion? What keeps you close to God and full of the Holy Spirit? You know, you, you need to have those things in your life if you want to grow in God and feel more of His Holy Spirit and be vaccinated against religion. The fourth point this morning is uh, together to live fully alive. We can only do it if we do it together. You know, we are stronger together. That's the theme of our conference coming up. But so much more is achieved when we do things in unity, when we do things together. And uh, I want to read this just out this morning. I read this the other day when I was thinking of unity in the body of Christ. Just turn this on. It says that uh, we all struggle. Is anyone struggling? Has anyone ever struggled? Yeah, a few people. That's good. Yeah, so holy church. All right, we all struggle. And this is one of the best things that the body can give to one another, the knowledge that we are not alone on our path of struggle. Isn't that the one thing sometimes I think the church could excel in, is the knowledge that we're not alone in our struggle. No one is exempt. You know, when you think about that, Often there's a temptation to think, why do some people get it so easy? You know, why do some people get away with, with all the hardships in life? Why, have this, why do they get, how come this happened? No, no, no one is exempt from struggles. Everybody is going through something. Everyone is dealing with something in their life. Therefore, no one needs to be ashamed for not having it all together. Struggle is universal. Man, struggle is universal. No matter what you're going through, that this church needs to be a place, hear my heart, this church needs to be a place where we are not ashamed of the things that we don't have together. That is what the church, the body is all about. And I believe that, you know, part of that is that we can achieve so much more together when we're unified in our heart and our mind in every part. When you get a a group of people together, who have made God and his kingdom their priority, they become unstoppable. You know, they become an unstoppable force of love in their community. They become an unstoppable force of grace to the people around them. They become an unstoppable force of hope and restoration in the world. And that's how God's kingdom advances. You know, that is exactly what the early church was like. They were of one heart, and of one mind, they were unified in their belief and in their cause and in their passion for Jesus and his kingdom. I heard, um, I was talking with Pastor Don on our Whangarei campus the other day about some things. And he said to me, uh, you know, that's why he's, we were talking about the subject of unity in, in the church and in the body of Christ. He said, that's why I've always said in his church, if you can't support the vision of the church and you can't support the leadership 100%, and not speaking to new people, of course, then find a church where you can 
Because otherwise you just end up being a hindrance to everything that happens. thought, wow, man, there's some truth in that. You know, but it's particularly important of New Zealand and beyond coming up. I was talking to my brother the other day, and he's got a, uh, a rock climbing competition next weekend in Tauranga uh, in Rotorua. And because they're now in level one, they can, they can come up. They're actually flying up to Auckland, um, borrowing my motorhome, and driving down to Rotorua for this rock climbing competition. And they're so excited about it, and it's all back on. And just this thought came to me, man, there's such excitement about a sports comp. And to be honest, I get excited about those kind of things too. But the reality is we should, as a church who hosts New Zealand and beyond, let's be excited about this event. This is our church. This is our main event for the year with the purpose to help move the church from being so-so about our nation's spiritual condition to one that is on fire for God, passionate about seeing the lost come to faith, about revival. This year's theme is Stronger Together, and I want to encourage you, you know, we can achieve so much more together. So if you haven't yet decided to come, you know, if fear is a barrier uh, with everything that's been happening, pray about it. Invest in um, a ticket anyway, and give it to someone if you, if you don't feel like you can come. Uh, if money is a barrier, please come and talk to us. There is sponsorship available, uh, and if not, Warren has agreed to pay for everyone that can't make it. So working together in partnership with God and the early church, it was an unstoppable force. The kingdom of God advanced at an incredible rate. Uh, but not at the expense of lives being effectively discipled, people being cared for and loved for, and transformation taking place. Unity results in a commanded blessing. Unity results in a commanded blessing. And I believe that's what's going to happen as well uh, when we gather together for New Zealand and beyond. Psalm 133 says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Uh, Deuteronomy 20, 32, 30 says, one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000. You know, recently um, at our prayer meetings on Thursday nights when we've been gathering here uh, to pray and seek God, we normally get about, I don't know, maybe about between seven and eight to 12 or sometimes 15 people. And often I've come to pray and we get fired up and I go, God, you know, we, we should have more people here to pray. God, we, I'd love to see more people pray. And I've been thinking about this. But what I've realized is that those that come to the night, to the times of prayer when we pray on Thursday nights, I know not a lot of people can't make it, but when we come and pray, there's such a unity that's here. There's such a desire to be here to pray that I believe that God in some ways probably works more effectively because we're so united in our heart of seeking God, of praying for our city, of praying for the needs of the church, of praying for things outside of ourselves, of our community, that there's such a desire to be in God's presence and in unity that God's blessing just flows on those Thursday nights when we come to pray. And so I've kind of thought to myself, well, God, in fact, I'm not really concerned about the overall size of who's here, but if you're here, if you're here and we're here in one heart and one mind, that's good enough for me because that's good enough for your word. And if it's good enough in his word, man, God is in it. And, uh, and, you know, there's been some powerful times as we've prayed together. Um, the other day we were just looking at the fact that, you know, New Zealand had no more cases for how many days in a row? You know, day after day, no more cases, no more cases. And Katie just kind of, I don't know, we sort of slipped out the thought like, well, it's because we've been praying. And, I, and it just, you know, I know, and, and when I heard that, I think hearing it from someone else, just kind of something in my spirit said, I, th- I think it is because we've been praying. 
you know, as a church, we've been praying, we've been fasting, we've been seeking God. And I would almost, and I'm not prophetically saying anything, but I think there's a big part of it that probably comes down to the fact that the church has prayed and therefore things have been halted. You know, we fight a spiritual battle. We battle not against flesh and blood or those things, but against powers and principalities and things of this world. And I believe that's where we've seen things happen in that. Uh, So, you know, let's keep praying because I don't want any more lockdowns in Auckland. We need to keep praying and believing and seeking God. And I just want to finish on this verse from James 5, 14. Is anyone among you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. Have you ever thought, as I finish this morning, have you ever thought, why would you confess your sins to one another? I thought confessing sins was just this thing, right? Transactional between us and God. The reason we confess our sins to one another is that we need one another. Every ligament, the Bible says every ligament builds itself up one to another. How can you do that unless you know what people are going through? How can you do that unless we're sharing our lives together and being, being vulnerable and being building one another up in love and faith? What I want to do this morning, just as we close, and we are going to finish a little bit early, is I just want us to pray for one another. Okay, so we're going to...